Welcome back to Yang Daily. I'll be your host, Alex Cheney, bringing you all the Yang news you need to live your life right. We've got another focused episode today, this time on electric vehicles, fossil fuel subsidies, and greenhouse gas emissions. Next episode, we'll do a lightning round to catch up on other issues. Let's get to it. Quick shout out to our Tier 3 patrons, Shay Meehan and Nathan Stankowski, as well as all our other patrons. You keep us all informed and engaged. If any of you out there want to join these advocates of humanity first and independent journalism, head on over to patreon.com slash yangdaily. It would only take a couple of bucks a month from each listener to keep this podcast and community going and growing into the future. Now on to the news. A new report by Bloomberg NEF puts global climate change efforts into a new light. They find that since the signing of the Paris Agreement in 2015, G20 countries, which account for three-fourths of the world's greenhouse gas emissions, provided more than $3.3 trillion in subsidies for fossil fuels, an amount sufficient to replace the U.S. electrical grid with solar three times over. It's a lot of threes, I know. Worse, some countries have actually been increasing their fossil fuel subsidies during this time rather than phasing them out. And guess who's on that list? Australia's subsidies went up by an incredible 48%, Canada's up by 40%, and the U.S. up by 37%. The biggest subsidy amounts are in China, Saudi Arabia, Russia, and India, accounting for about half combined. The report determined 60% of the subsidies went to companies producing fossil fuels and 40% went to cutting prices for consumers. At a time when we're seeing massive damage to humans and animals from climate change, we're using tax dollars to incentivize that pollution. You might think that making gas or fossil fuel energy cheaper is kind of a good thing, but think about it. We're taxing people and then giving their money to oil companies. It's basically just giving money to the government so they can use it to distort the market by making fossil fuels seem cheaper than they are. We're making it profitable for the oil industry to extract resources that would otherwise be left in the ground. At current prices, the production of nearly half of all U.S. oil would not be economically viable without federal and state subsidies. Were they not exempt from modern pollution standards, 98% of currently operating coal plants would also not be profitable. Depending on what's considered a subsidy, fossil fuels are receiving anywhere from 10 to $50 billion a year in the U.S. A conservative report from Oil Change International pegged 2015 fossil fuel production subsidies at $15 billion for federal and $6 billion at the state level. Consumption subsidies are another $15 billion annually on top of that. Oil companies get permanent tax breaks seven times greater than renewable energy. In 2015, oil, gas, and coal companies spent $354 million in campaign contributions and lobbying to receive $29 billion in federal subsidies. That's an 8,200% return on investment. This is why we need to reform democracy. We are not running the country. Corporate lobbyists are, and they're using that power to damn us all. Incidentally, 88% of those bribes went to Republicans. It's popular to attack green energy subsidies, so you might ask, how is this different? The difference is that green energy is a set of budding technologies that are beneficial to humanity and need a bit of help getting to the point of profitability. Or, at this point, mostly that we need to transition to them as fast as possible to avert disaster. Almost all the technologies you now know and love were 
once subsidized by the government during their development phase until they could get to the point where the private sector could profitably sell them and continue that development. Fossil fuels were once a budding technology the world needed, like over a century ago. It makes absolutely no sense to be subsidizing them now. It's like giving money to Blockbuster when Netflix is on the way. And if we want to help people afford energy, we should be giving them money and letting them make an honest choice of which energy to use, rather than essentially choosing for them. Basically, it's the same dynamic as UBI versus welfare, which is to say, let the free market function as it's supposed to and give people money to participate in it, rather than giving money to bureaucrats and having them decide what people need. And then there's the cost of cleaning up the damage fossil fuels will do through climate change. It's a difficult number to estimate, but even extremely conservative estimates of $37 per ton of CO2, which is five times lower than the highest estimates, comes to a cost of about $200 billion a year for the U.S. and $1.3 trillion globally. Fossil fuel companies will not be paying that bill either. Again, taxpayers will, making it further invisible subsidies. This is why we need a carbon dividend to get rid of that invisible subsidy. We are paying them to hurt us and making it harder for better technology to compete against them. Kind of like subsidizing tobacco instead of taxing cigarettes. It's madness. Tell your representatives it needs to stop. You can find the report and more detail on particular subsidies in the links. On that note, there's a lot of misinformation from those same corporations around how clean electric vehicles really are. To clear this up, the International Council on Clean Transportation performed an in-depth analysis of present and projected greenhouse gas emissions for the full life cycle of average medium-sized vehicles and fuels. This considers everything from extracting the minerals used for producing the cars and energy they run on, to the emissions while driving, to disposal of the vehicle, and everything in between. It does so for the EU, the US, China, and India, for a representative sample of energy grids and supply chains. The conclusion? Even for the dirtiest grids relying heavily on coal, fully electric vehicles are cleaner than hybrids and other combustion vehicles. In countries with cleaner grids, gas cars emit over three times as much greenhouse gas as EVs over their lifespan, going as high as five times where the grid is entirely green. Fuel cell cars are almost as good as EVs when the hydrogen is created with green energy, but almost as dirty as gas cars when it is not, and it's usually not. As you'll be able to see in the graph in the links, roughly 15% of a gas car's emissions come from creating the vehicle, 20% from creating the fuel, and 65% from burning the fuel while driving. These vary slightly depending on the location. EVs, on the other hand, have no emissions from running the vehicle. Anywhere from 35 to 75% of their emissions come from fuel creation, depending on how the electricity is generated, with emissions from producing the vehicle being only slightly higher than that of a gas car due to the battery pack. Gas engines are extremely inefficient in converting gasoline to motion because they explode it, immediately losing most of the energy as heat, and then use a ton of mechanical hacks to translate the remaining explosive motion into rotational motion. EVs are far more efficient because it's a battery running electricity through an electric motor, which rotates the magnetic rotor, which goes straight to the wheels. This is mainly why EVs are cleaner even when their electricity comes from the dirtiest source. Although another big reason is that the electric motor can be run in reverse when the car slows down, which actually puts energy back in the battery. 
If the electricity comes from a clean source, it gets way better. Gas has to be mined and refined, which all emits greenhouse gases, and then gas is burned, transporting that gas to the gas station. Electricity can be generated with a solar panel, wind turbine, hydroelectric dam, etc., and loses almost nothing in transit to where it's needed, reducing the emissions enormously. You can even eliminate the small transportation losses by using solar to produce the power right where it's needed, at home or at a public charger. Transportation is a gigantic block of emissions, and cars are a large portion of that. The report makes clear that there is no achieving even our now modest goals for climate change mitigation without transitioning quickly to electric vehicles. Were it not for Tesla, this would be a hopeless goal as legacy automakers have resisted EVs wholeheartedly. But Tesla's insane pace of innovation and progress are pushing the entire industry, kicking and screaming, into the future. Their Model 3 is now among the lowest total cost of ownership vehicles in the world for a four-door, and is also arguably the best car in the world, with the most advanced tech, incredible performance, lowest maintenance, longest lifespan, and highest owner satisfaction. And it's improving all the time. That's also not to mention their solar, energy storage, charging station, and insurance products, which are all likewise industry-leading. Suffice it to say, there's a reason Tesla is in the top three companies engineers want to work for, and is now the most valued car company in the world by market value. EVs and green energy provide better performance, cost, efficiency, health, maintenance, sustainability, and pretty much every other metric. Climate change or no, they are the technology of the future, and the sooner they arrive, the better. And that'll do it for today's Yang Daily. Bookmark and share the fossil fuel subsidies and EV threads. Flood Congress with calls, tweets, faxes, and letters using the resist bot or income movement easy contacts below. If you need help, consult Humanity Forward, the Income Movement Aid Database, the Mission Asset Fund, or United Way, and don't forget to Yang Daily.